Star Wars Summer by Summon, episode 1214 today. What it's like to be a force ghost from a certain point of view. Punch it, Chewie. This is Bobby Roberts, formerly of Full of Sith, and you are listening to Star Wars 7 by 7 the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And as promised on yesterday's podcast, I'm talking about Master and Apprentice, which is the story by Claudia Gray in From a Certain Point of View, the collection of 40 short stories that tell the story of Star Wars from a lot of different points of view, from all sorts of characters that encountered our main characters in the story. But this one is possibly the most unexpected so far. It deals with Qui-Gon Jinn, and herein we get to experience the experience of a Force ghost. He is basically part of the living Force, and when he is called upon by Obi-Wan, and this is while Luke is racing away from the Sandcrawler and all the dead Jawas and heading to find out what's happened at the homestead, Obi-Wan calls on Qui-Gon for some last-minute advice. And the way Claudia Gray describes it, Qui-Gon thinks of himself as sort of a fracture in the Force, in the unity of the Force, when he is called to become an individualized entity. Here is the way it's summed up. That fracture from the all, that memory of temporal existence, is most easily summed up with the word the fracture was once called by, the name Qui-Gon. And the Qui-Gon in there is Obi-Wan calling for Qui-Gon. And so he draws upon his memories of himself, this is Qui-Gon again, and takes shape, reassembling the form he last had in life. It seems to him that he feels flesh wrap around bones, hair and skin over flesh, robes over skin, and then, as naturally to him as though he had done so yesterday, he pulls down the hood of his Jedi cloak and looks upon his Padawan and says, Obi-Wan. And it is worth the travail of individual existence just to say that name again. And I may end up reading chunks of this to you because... This is really some awesome stuff. And Obi-Wan is concerned that there may be stormtroopers waiting for Luke at the farm, but Qui-Gon does settle his doubts in his mind to some degree by saying, Luke has a great journey yet to go. It does not end here. And the line in the narrative says this relieves Obi-Wan more than it should because he cannot guess the shape that journey will take. And of course, since we're always looking for hidden meanings in things, that one struck me a little bit odd, right? Why would it relieve Obi-Wan more than it should? Like, it should relieve him just enough, but if something bad is going to happen to Luke, then it would relieve him more than it should. Or if Luke is going to go in a direction that is not very good overall, then maybe he wouldn't be relieved. I don't know. Might be overthinking that one, but I thought that was a curious turn of phrase. And immediately following this, there's another passage about how Qui-Gon is experiencing the physical world around them. It says their surroundings in the physical world became clear, become clear, excuse me. The endless dunes of Tatooine stretching out in every direction, a smoldering sand crawler, a hulk behind them, a dozen tiny Jawas dead. The memory of their fear and helplessness lances Qui-Gon's consciousness, as does the meaninglessness of their deaths. Although Obi-Wan has been tending to the bodies for the moment, the Jawas are seen to only by two droids. The droids comfort Qui-Gon somewhat because they are familiar. The Force has even seen fit to bring these two back to the place where it all began. Time is a circle. The beginning is the end. So for one thing there, even though Qui-Gon wasn't summoned until the Jawas had been killed, he apparently, as a Force ghost, still has access in time to flow back and forth into the past and the future, 
and experience what those Jawas experienced from you know, the sense of fear and the sense of helplessness. And the bit about 3PO and R2-D2 being brought back that the Force even saw to it that they're involved in this whole thing, that just gave me chills. That was a beautiful section of this whole thing. And something that actually surprised me, and I don't quite know what to make of this one, Qui-Gon is considering how amazing Obi-Wan Kenobi is and how difficult these 20 years in exile have been and how very few people could have done what he did, especially the circumstances of his life. This is the line here that really puzzled me. Every person Obi-Wan ever truly loved, Anakin, Satine, Padme, and Qui-Gon himself, came to a terrible end. All right. Anakin, of course, you're my brother, right? Satine, we know that from the Clone Wars. And then Qui-Gon, naturally, like his Padawan, the guy that he looked up to the most. But Padme? Why is Padme included in the four of these people? I'm not suggesting she wasn't worthy of it or anything like that, but I never got the sense that Obi-Wan was that connected to Padme. So that really kind of surprised me. And again, maybe there's something in the back three seasons of the Clone Wars that I've missed where it turns out that Obi-Wan had some secret unrequited crush on Padme that we don't know about. But uh, I, that one I was rather puzzled by. But if you have some insight on that, then please do share at the comments at the blog post for the show's episode at SW7X7.com. Other things we do find out for sure are the facts that, number one, Qui-Gon can become so close to Corporal that he can actually smell the burning Jawa bodies. Oh, gosh. And this work, the other interesting fact, is that the work of becoming a Force ghost to become this substantial has taken the better part of a decade for him to master. And in talking about it, Qui-Gon says to Obi-Wan, even after death, we continue to learn. And Obi-Wan replies by saying, I look forward to learning the art someday, hopefully in the distant future. And Qui-Gon's reflection in the narrative is, it's another one of his dry jokes, nothing more, but Qui-Gon has moved regardless. Obi-Wan has so little time left to live. To Qui-Gon, the death seems inevitable, almost neutral. He can even anticipate the reunion with his Padawan. But after all his losses, all his sacrifice, all these endless years in the desert... Obi-Wan Kenobi still wants more life. This, too, is a kind of courage. Qui-Gon remembers the vitality of mortal existence, fondly, but distantly. At least he has something better to offer Obi-Wan. And the last line of the story, honestly, is just so darn beautiful and wraps the whole thing up so well that I really don't want to tell it to you. I would rather you go find the book and, hey, if you're not going to buy it, pick it up in a library or something. Just park yourself down in a chair or in a bookstore someplace and just read this one story. You will not regret it. But if you were to pick up this book, there is another very good reason for you to do so. And I will share that with you after the break. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. The Last Jedi is coming out in theaters in December, and so it's time for you to brush up on your knowledge of The Force Awakens. Luckily, I've got the thing for you. It's the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book. It's available on Amazon right now. Just go to sw7x7.com TFA to get right there. And inside, you'll find more than 501 galaxy-spanning questions and answers about The Force Awakens. Again, it's the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book, sw7x7.com slash TFA. Welcome back. All right, so I didn't 
<laughs> I don't know why I didn't notice this initially, why it took me nine stories to find out about this or figure this out. But in the back of the book, there's a note here that says, All participating authors have generously forgone any compensation for their stories. Instead, their proceeds will be donated to First Book, a leading nonprofit that provides new books, learning materials, and other essentials to educators and organizations serving children in need. To further celebrate the launch of this book and both companies' long-standing relationships with First Book, Penguin Random House has donated $100,000 to First Book, and Disney Lucasfilm has donated 100,000 children's books valued at $1 million to support First Book in its mission of providing equal access to quality education. Over the past 16 years, Disney and Penguin Random House have combined, combined have donated more than 88 million books to First Book. Holy cow. And this year actually happens to be the 25th anniversary of the founding of First Book. And if you want to learn more about what they do, check them out at firstbook.org. That is going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you challenge a Jedi holding the high ground, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if the show's been worth your time, please support us at patreon.com slash SW7x7. It's not a triple amputation, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.